Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. A bottle of Lucas Complete Fuel Treatment can clean your system and help your engine get more MPGs. Right now, you can get two bottles for only $9.99. A great deal to help you go a great deal farther. Find Lucas Complete Fuel Treatment and everything you need for better fuel efficiency at any one of our 6,300 stores. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. You have heard from your new GM, Ryan Poles. You have also heard from your new head coach, Matt Eberflus. Now it is time to see what your thoughts are. My thoughts are in terms of the press conference from this morning, heading into the afternoon for the new personnel leading your Chicago Bears into the future. How do we feel about it? I'm Danny Burke, your host here as always on the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. You can get in touch with me on Twitter per usual, like I say, at Danny Burke 5 And again, you can catch my show Rush Hour on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday. Every weeknight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, we broadcast live out of the Bet River Sportsbook, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling, Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can get a hold the national betting standpoint with great guests on a nightly basis, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on Rush Hour. But here on the Chicago City Cast, you know what we do. We focus locally. With all things Chicago, whether it's betting, whether it's a fan's reaction, being myself, ranting about the Bears, every Chicago sports team, you know how we go here on the show. But no, we got some positivity to look forward to and to recap from this press conference. So I'll go over each of the significant individual comments, being Poles, being Eberflus, Fields, McCaskey. Then in the second part of this episode, we'll talk about the Blackhawks game tonight uh, against the Canucks. And then we've got... A recap of NFL Championship Weekend. But if you want to get more in-depth with Super Bowl stuff, of course, check out my show, Rush Hour. But let's begin with polls. All right, we're going to not go necessarily in order of how they said it or what they said, but just grouped by the specific person. So we'll start with polls, who was the first guy out there. Um, really taking all the heat and all the questions. Not really heat, but you know what I'm saying. So uh, polls, the biggest thing that he said. Well, first and foremost, I thought it was kind of interesting to see how he was acting up there, you know, he, he seemed a little bit nervous, right? He, he seemed a little antsy, a little anxious, kind of, you know, touching things and looking around a little bit, but look, who cares? You know, public speaking, the number one fear over death is always kind of the thing that's attributed to it with a lot of people saying, you're not paying him to speak in front of cameras and microphones. You're paying him to develop a winning roster and a winning franchise. And what he said after he kind of seemed a little bit nervous, got those nerves away, was calm, confident, and cool, and he seemed very curious and very open to doing whatever it takes to making this a successful organization, which was awesome to see. And the notable thing that he said immediately in his press conference that everybody tweeted out about naturally and really just got you geared up and kind of ready to run through that wall type of mentality 
This he goes, we're, we're going to take the North and never give it back. We are going to take the North and never give it back. King of the North, baby. That's what you want to hear. You want that confidence. And based on this press conference doesn't mean, you know, it's not going to translate to them being a winning team, but we got to take what we can get in small amounts, and especially with the first press conference. So, yeah, there's going to be optimism right away. They're not going to go in there and be like, well, we'll see what we can do. But still, you want to see that confidence kind of just exude out of Hallis Hall, right? You want to see it everywhere. And not only can they get to being at the top of the North because of the reconstruction of this organization to a certain extent, but because of the deconstruction, I guess you could say, the departure of one Aaron Rodgers potentially from the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett, and then you're getting Getzy coming to Chicago. Look, the Vikings still up in the air with their whole personnel situation. I mean, you get your new GM. Apologies, my dog is just continuing to make noise in this background as this is my second attempt at starting the show based on her making so much noise in the first place. She's flapping her ears over there, but she's gnawing at a bone earlier, getting excited for this week, I suppose. Um, but what I was saying about the Vikings is that, look, you have your GM, and I think it was a really solid GM hire. You have the unknown with the coach, and you have great talent offensively. You have Delvin Cook. You have Justin Jefferson. You have... Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, that's awesome. And those are the type of talent you need to surround Justin Fields with. And I got really nothing, to be honest, against Kirk Cousins. But you know what his ceiling is. You know what his capabilities and limitations are. Justin Fields, I'm not saying he's where Kirk Cousins is. But the optimism and excitement come from the fact that we don't know how high he can go. We know where he is, but we don't know how high that ceiling can go. I mean, the sky is literally the limit for this kid. It's just who is going to develop him, who is going to be surrounding him, and how is that all going to translate on the field? We know what it does for Kirk Cousins in that team. Head coach Zimmer didn't help out. Defense, I would argue the Bears might be in a little bit better shape than the Vikings defense for sure. We'll see again who their head coach is and what they can do in the offseason. But this Bears team, if Rodgers departs, and that's a big if, would not be too far off from potentially being that top team in the North. The Vikings have more raw talent. Absolutely, I'm not disputing that. But their defense is a liability, and their inability to have constant success against the Bears is another thing. This past season, you know, I don't care about that too much. When we get competent people in there, the Bears should be able to overcome Minnesota. But you could argue the same thing for the Vikings, them getting competent people in there. So we'll see. But if Rodgers departs, it's going to be Bears and Vikings. What about the Lions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, Detroit. You're still Detroit. Campbell looked awesome. He had his players fighting for him. And they could be in the mix. They could still be that tough competitive team. I'm sure they will be. But, you know, just based on what we've always seen from Detroit, I'm not ready to put them in the same category as the big boys. And again, I say big boys relatively just to the NFC North. But again, Ryan Pohl saying, we're going to take the North and never give it back. Hell yeah, man. That's what you want to hear. Another thing that stood out that he mentioned, Ryan Pohl said he thought it was great that Bill Polian was involved in the process. He said he started asking Bill questions. It has called him multiple times since getting hired. Says he'll continue to do that. Yeah, why not? And the interesting thing going into this is that you know, you heard reports of who Polian wanted as head coach that differed from who Poles wanted, that differed from who McCaskey and Phillips. You know, everybody had their differing opinions, but thankfully that Poles said, guys, 
relax. Take a backseat. You brought me in here for a reason. I'm making the executive decision. I like your finalists here because I agreed with it, but I'm going to make the choice and narrow it down. Bill Pullian, you know, the only reason to be salty is because, well, you brought me in here. So if you're not going to fully take my advice, what the heck? I'm sure he doesn't really care that. I mean, you understand you give your advice. It's not going to solely come down to your decision. But again, yeah, why wouldn't you keep referencing Bill Pullian? The dude has had success his whole life. I mean, he's an absolute legend. So yeah, use your resources to the best of your advantage. With polls really alluded to, he was pretty much saying that many times throughout the conference. Like it's okay. That's kind of the, that's why it was refreshing, right? With Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you didn't really hear them talk about consulting outside sources. It was always an ego thing. And at least more so with Nagy. Like it's on me, right? It's not, yeah, maybe I should consider this or do like these guys are clearly open to getting advice, seeking it elsewhere. He literally said he talked because the Chiefs connection with Nagy, you know, gave him a call before taking the job. He's not afraid to put his pride and ego aside and ask for help, ask for advice. Hence getting an assistant GM in Cunningham, which could be awesome experience with the Ravens and the Eagles. That'll be fun. That is a good move. First time in franchise history, you're bringing on an assistant GM. Wow. Welcome to the new age of the NFL folks. And with that being said, new age of the NFL, my favorite thing that was said by Ryan Poles was in the discussion of analytics. Someone asked him, they go, you know, what about an analytics department, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, in terms of analytics, absolutely. When asked of the possibility of implementing an analytics department, thank the heavens. I get that there's a crowd out there that says, screw the analytics, shut up, don't go, you know, all that. It's so much deeper than that. That's just the only thing you see on Twitter is the fourth and short going for two, those type of things. It goes way deeper than that. And you know what? The teams that have had the most success over the past course of what? Maybe probably since Sean McVay and Shanahan have been with their teams. That's those have been the top teams, right? Like Ravens, Harbaugh, they've pretty much been a top team. Chiefs, top team. Rams, top team. 49ers, top team. The Chargers, despite what you may think about Brandon Staley, are going to be a top team next season. Mark my words on that. That's the direction you have to go, especially with a young and mobile quarterback. They understand that, but it's just nice to hear that reassurance. He wasn't like, yeah, maybe we'll look into it. He said, absolutely. Good. Be curious, be innovative, and adapt. Now, also, um, Mark Potash asked polls, um, if he would have interviewed more coaches, had he been given the opportunity and he goes, I was given the opportunity. I found him instilling that confidence in the head coaching hire. That was a good answer. That's what you want to hear. If you're Eberflus, that's what you want to hear. If you're McCaskey and that's what you want to hear. If you're a bears fan, if you trust polls, if you like what he said, if you're going to trust the process and have confidence in him, then you have to have confidence, uh, confidence in him having it in Eberflus. And polls again, at first, he kind of seemed a little nervous. Then he was picking it up, getting adjusted. We're not paying him to sound good in front of cameras and TVs or cameras and microphones. You know, you're paying him to get the right pieces in there. I don't care if he sounds like an idiot. You don't need guys who speak well in front of the press. You need guys who can actually put it out on the field, put their money where their mouth is, walk the walk. You can blab all you want. Nagy did that forever. It didn't mean crap. But Poles is saying the right things, was saying the right things, and probably will continue to. Now, speaking of Eberflus, some things that he said that stood out.
first of all, just my overall kind of thoughts on his, you know, mannerisms and whatnot. You could tell he's a coach just by the way he speaks. Very structured, very organized, and very disciplined. Is that different than what other coaches would do? No, not not necessarily. But I think, again, it was refreshing because he was more thorough and more clear on what his vision is and just little things, whereas Nagy would always dance around the stupid-ass question and just find a way to, you know, we got to look in the – like just say the same stupid things. Like Eberflus, it was very refreshing to hear that different voice. And there was some good questions from the Chicago media. I mean, knowing that this team needs to have success offensively, he's not looking to take control over any specific area. Okay? He said the defensive coordinator will call the defensive plays. He confirms the Bears will switch to a 4-3 base defense as opposed to their 3-4. Changing things up. Okay. He says the team will play with high tempo, high effort, Attacking style based on speed and athletic ability and really emphasis on taking the ball away. It's not surprising you said that. Yeah, you're defensive-minded, of course, but again, refreshing. Good. Nice. So Getsy will handle the offense. The defensive coordinator will call the plays. Eberflus will kind of be that leader, the CEO, and just really controlling all the mentality, emotions, everything around the team. Greenlight, the big stuff. Make sure everything is in line. Sean McDermott type, that's what you aspire for it to be. That's honestly the goal. If your head coach is defensive-minded, what team do you want to be replicated after? The Buffalo Bills. Great quarterback play. Great offense. Number one defense. Everything is right, but you lose because you couldn't stop a team with 13 seconds and arguably the coin flip. But that's a discussion for another time. I get it. We most of us were not content with going defensive minded, but but again, like the two guys I preferred if they did that were Flores and Eberflus. So I'm riding the process out. I said it was fine last week. That was my reaction. Now looking at it, I probably say I'd say good. I'm feeling pretty good. And it's it's easy to get caught up in this hype during the off season. I fully understand that and I completely get it and I'm going to be probably a big a, a, as big of a skeptic as anyone out there but again you know he was saying the right like the fact that both of these guys don't really seem ego driven like I'm going to do this I'm doing that it's we are going to do that he is going to call the plays I am going to look for other advice I am going to keep reaching out for this Thank you. You don't need to run everything by yourself. Hire a team. Not one person controls the destiny and success of an organization. It takes a whole team to do so. It takes a whole unit of a franchise to have success. It doesn't happen overnight. The Bengals made it look like it, but trust me, it doesn't happen overnight because of that. Adjustments. That's what they did defensively in the second half. Winner. Drafting a great quarterback. Developing him. Winner. Say what you want about Zach Taylor, but he's looked a lot better in the latter half of the season and throughout the postseason. Hell, I mean, look at McVay. He did not deserve to win that game based on, on how he coached. Shanahan, coward on fourth and two. Arguably cost him the game. Among many other things. But my point is, 
don't put it all on your shoulders. Even though you're the GM, even though you're the head coach, understand you can seek out help. You can take other advice. That is what formulates a winning organization, and they get that. I got nothing else but those type of vibes from this press conference that they are willing to bring in the necessary help. And they talk about brotherhood, them having a good connection. They said the right things. Now let's see if they do the right things. They're going to be an effort-based team. That's the number one thing. I mean, yeah, you expect that. And it's kind of corny in the sense that it's like, well, yeah, obviously it's it's football and we get it. Like we've understood that being Bears fans our whole life. That's what the mentality and mantra of this team is. But if you're trying to bring that back, like, okay, fine, that's great. We just want to get success offensively as fans. They understand that, guys. They understand it. And we'll see what they keep adding in that regard. But, you know, Fields came on. Fields seemed all right with everything. I, there, there wasn't too much to take away with Fields, aside from the point that he said a couple of things that stood out. And one of them being, he said he'll feel more comfortable in a leadership role now that he knows he'll be the starter from day one. Oh my goodness. How about transparency and not a damn circus happening at Hallis Hall? That'll be refreshing for Justin Fields. My goodness. I feel like at that point, like Fields, yeah, there was probably a specific coach you would you would prefer over the other, but the main thing was just getting rid of Laser, Nagy, whatever his relationship might have been. He knows what a crapshoot it was with the volatility of Matt Nagy's press conferences, decision-making based on the starters. And I want to say volatility and play calling, but there's not because it's the same stupid play calling. But Fields has to have like a weight off his shoulders going, all right, I can just be me. He said that's what Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor's advice were to him, but you really wouldn't let him be him. He had to be the version of him you wanted him to be. So if Eberflus lets the relationship develop with the offensive side and lets him do his work, with Getsy, with whoever else is there to help out, that will be okay in the end having the defensive mindset as your head coach. He is just the CEO of it, right? Hire the right personnel underneath you. Make sure it's like a well-oiled machine. Everything's operating smoothly. You don't have to dive into the thick of it to the intricate little details. You just have to oversee the big picture. Make sure everybody understands their job and you can have that success. That's the way to approach it. Also, Justin Fields points out the way he's approaching having a defensive-minded head coach in the way that it can help explain coverages, and he's excited that the new OC, Luke Getze, will be fully invested in the offense without other responsibilities. Ding, ding, ding. Mr. Bald Guy, head coach, did not do that. He was trying to control everything. Focus on what your expertise is in. That's how you win. Good comment, Fields. Other comments from this press conference. Some funny ones with George McCaskey. Um, we'll start with the funny ones. I don't know who said this. I was trying to find out. But so someone comes on and they go, George, be honest. Ryan and Matt again? And then it was like quiet. And then some laughs. And he goes, any concern there? And then McCaskey's just like, oh, thank you. That's pretty damn funny. 
that was a funny and bold move to make asking that question. He was clearly being McCaskey pissed because, again, it's not that he's just been involved in this process fully and his team, his family bloodline had failures with those guys in this organization. But, like, he has personal relationships with those guys, too, right? Like, you know, he definitely was close with Pace and like Nagy. But aside from the fan pressure, he probably would have kept them. So that's the thing. So he's just like, he wanted to be so mad in that situation. But then you have to remember who you are and just had to try to be as calm as possible. But that was really funny. And then people kept asking the questions about if him and Ed O'Hare and if it was actually him driving to pick up poles. So he said, yeah, he drove to O'Hare himself, did the whole parking in the White Sox level entrance or whatever. And, um... Yeah, $3 parking, whatever it was. But he said he picked them up himself. No driver. Wanted to take polls to Hallis Hall. Wanted to get extra conversation along the way. Look, if you're still salty about that or think it's weird, again, go pound sand. Like, that's a genuine cool move. You could criticize McCaskey for damn near everything. But I think that was a pretty cool gesture. And I like that people addressed it too. And he was open about it. Awesome. Aside from that, what was kind of interesting was that they wouldn't announce the contracts of Poles and Eberflus, which is strange, but he made it seem like it was the norm, which it wasn't, as another reporter alluded to, that he made it public about Pace and Nagy, right? And as most, most people in professional sports, their contracts are public. He said, well, at their discretion, you know, they prefer if it was kind of kept on the DL. I don't really care too much about it, but it is curious to know. You want to know what the limitations and the correlation with those expectations are based on the timeline that is given to them. But again, you don't want to nitpick it too much. Let's just hope they can get that process going as soon as possible. So all in all, after this press conference, what's your takeaway? If you weren't as confident before, are you now? Did this press conference re-instill this confidence in you? Did you expect this to happen? Are you saying, dude, who cares? It's a press conference. They're just, just hearsay. Let's wait till they put it on the field. You could probably say yes to all of that. But again, I went last week from going, yeah, I think it's pretty fine with the Eberflus hire too. I think it, I think it's pretty good. I'll put it up right now. So you get a little bit of an upgrade from me. Polls, I think he gets even more of an upgrade. Like Eberflus, you get what you expected out of that type of guy. I The biggest takeaway from... Eberflus to me was just that he wasn't going to be a puppet master to everything, kind of like Matt Nagy, needing to get his hand in everything. You know, trust the guys you bring along. And with Poles, it's that he is willing to seek out other advice. He's willing to put his ego aside and help other people construct this team and look into the new age of the NFL, aka analytics, adapt or die. Poles, I was really impressed with. Very much so. And I'm not saying that like anything against Eberflus. Again, what Eberflus said was very much expected. But the way Poles was very just transparent, open, honest, and selfless in a sense, that was awesome to see. And again, very, very refreshing. Keyword for this press conference is refreshing. Rating out of 10, I'd probably give it like a, you know, like an 8.3. And like a 9 to a 10 would be just, I don't know. You know, you're, we were already already, we were already psyched with the hire. And they just absolutely crushed it. And they did do really well in this interview. So I, I think it's a respectable score because, again, there's unknowns with them. 
right? Like say, I again, this is a crazy example. Like you got like a Sean Payton and then he just said awesome things in the presser. Like that would be a nine to 10, of course, but they can say all this all they want, but we won't actually know what it means or what it can do until we see it. But they have been saying the right things and they are open-minded, which is fantastic, which previous regimes throughout the Bears organizations obviously were not. So yeah, I'll give it what I say, like 8.3, 8.4, right around there is fine. So solid, but I'm not going to go too crazy over it. But we do have to talk about it. We'll see what happens furthermore throughout this personnel, but they're making moves and they're doing it fairly efficiently. And the tough part about it is too, is I feel like, you know, I'm trying to do more research on Getsy because I can't just sit here acting like I know a lot about him, but apparently from what other people have said is, you know, a lot of the success offensively, even though it wasn't necessarily, say, public knowledge, could be credited to Getsy. And then you can make the argument, well, how good is he without Aaron Rodgers? All that. Guys, you can't use that argument for everything. Otherwise, no one would get a job based on someone having success around them. Like, that's how the world works. So, and that can obviously aid him. And it doesn't mean Rodgers and him are the same quarterback and he didn't call plays there. You could say all this, 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 and that. Look, if it doesn't work out, you can promote someone, you can get someone else on, it's okay. But it's hard to imagine you can't take any step forward. Like, it's, it can't. It cannot be worse than what we endured throughout the whole Nagy regime and especially this past season. I'm telling you, the plays will be better, they'll be different, there will be variations, and there will be intelligence and competency on the offensive side of the ball. People are going to get really excited, and it was referenced in the presser about seeing how the Bengals flip things around, and everyone's saying, oh, you don't need the best offensive line to make the Super Bowl. Take it easy. You still got to win in the trenches, okay? But I get it. You need to build the weapons around them. You need to get lethal receivers. The crew right now is not going to cut it. Allen Robinson, based on his usage this past season, ain't going to cut it. I love me some Darnell Mooney, but he's not getting you to a Super Bowl like a Cooper Cup is, like a Jamar Chase is. He can be a great number two, but you need a top number one guy or two solid number twos and a really speedy number three, like how the Chiefs have their McCole Hardman, who's really speedy. But you got Tyreek and you got Travis Kelsey as your, number, as your top two guys, but then you have the lethal third threat that isn't getting consistent reps. But when he does, it's the boom or bust, but not really bust. It's just boom or nothing type of guy. And... That's what I think Ryan Pohl's experience with Kansas City, knowing how to seek out those type of players, even though they're not big names, that's what he can bring to the table. And that's what I'm excited to see in this offseason for how they can develop the offense. And the nice thing about that is that you have the GM who's offensive-minded coming from a great offensive team. And then you can let the head coach defensively, you know, he'll control that. Like, he gets the defensive side of the ball, so he doesn't have to be oh, offensive, you know. Poles will take care of the offensive stuff for sure in the offseason. Eberflus is, of course, going to be a large part in that. But my point being is, like, Eberflus can solely really look at that defense. What parts do I think we should bring in Ryan Poles is what he'll tell him. And then he'll go, okay, here's how we're going to develop him with this DC, et cetera, et cetera. You get the offensive pieces. I'll let you work with Getsy and company. So that's the thing. Like, I like that they're on opposite sides in that regard. And it's not completely opposite spectrum. Like, I mean, you know, Poles could like defense too and have a good hand at it. But I think it's good that you're kind of getting a yin and a yang. At least it seems like it could be the case as of this point. So I'm excited. We'll see. They're already gearing up. Free agency. Everything in the offseason. Talked about the draft picks. 
limited amount that they have, what resources they could use. I'm pumped. I think they could make it work. I don't know if it's when a Super Bowl make it work. That's going to come down to Justin Fields and what offensive talent you can get. But in terms of immediate success relative to how bad they were before, I absolutely trust that and believe that that can occur. So bright days ahead, folks. Believe it. Coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Let's talk a little bit of Blackhawks here as they take on the Vancouver Canucks at the UC tonight. And then we will recap NFL Championship Weekend. Were you mad? Were you happy? What are you looking forward to for the big game? All of that and more as we round out a Monday edition of the Chicago City Cast. Place your legal sports bets at BetRivers.com. Your new home for sports betting. Millions of betting options a year on the sports you love. We offer live in-game betting on major sporting events worldwide. Tons of bets available during games from money lines, prop bets, and many more. Sign up now and we'll match your first deposit up to $250. More bets, better odds, more action. Place your sports bets at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gambling Board State. My voluntary self-exclusion program must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral service can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Okay, time to talk a little bit of Blackhawks action in the latter part of this episode of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Canucks coming to town at the UC. Game opened as a pick'em. Total opened about five and a half. And currently at Bet Rivers, you're seeing your Chicago Blackhawks minus 110, Vancouver minus 106. Not much movement, but minimal amount towards Chicago. Puck line, if you think the Blackhawks can win this game by two or more goals, hard to ignore the value of plus 225. But if you want to take the puck and a half with Vancouver, it's minus 278. Total at five and a half has juice to the over, minus a buck 20. The under is even money. Canucks are a struggling team as of late, just like your Blackhawks. But the Canucks are 3-4-3 and three in their past 10 games. They just lost in overtime versus the Flames on Saturday, one nothing. Uh, the Canucks, they're near the bottom of the NHL with an average of just 2.43 goals per game. Blackhawks are right there, too. And they've only scored full, uh, four goals in their past four losses. Goodness. Uh, Blackhawks did score four themselves versus Colorado on Friday where they lost 6-4. to four. Look, we talked about that game. I said, I, I get it, McKinnon's out, but there's still great value with Colorado and, heck, even the puck line. And, well, they won and covered the puck line. Hopefully, he got involved in that. Chicago, though, like we said, struggle city, won three and two the past six games, and they've allowed at least four goals against themselves in four um, in four of those games, including the lone win. So the past six games, four goals in four of them, and even the one where they won. Good news for the Blackhawks. Looks like Seth Jones, their defenseman, could be back for this game. And also good news, and I should have looked this up before, so that's my fault as a broadcaster, but uh, Vancouver will not have Thatcher Demko, their starting goalie, and the Nets going to be their backup. Yaroslav Halak. 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 One of the two. I'm sorry, but you get the gist. That's what all that matters is that he is not good as Demko. He is 1-4-2, 2.6 goals against average, and 91.5% with his saves on the road, 0-3-1, no wins. For Mr. Backup with a goals against average on the road of 2.6 and a save percentage of about 92. Only game he's won this season was against the Blue Jackets in 4-3. If you don't really follow hockey that much, Blue Jackets ain't good. And you got Marc-Andre Fleury in the net again. We know his stats aren't great, but it's still Fleury. 
14, 14, and 3, 2.9 goals against average, save percentage of 91, three shutouts at home, 3.1 goals against average. Doesn't help playing the Avalanche at home a lot. 6, 7, and 2 record, 90% with his saves and one shutout. Now, if they have Thatcher Demko in this game, I'd probably completely stay away or just argue there's value with Vancouver, and I think you'd see that reflected in the line differently. But the fact that you're getting the backup for Vancouver against a Chicago team that, look, they're playing competitively. They just can't hold on to leads, and they can't close out. And they're not winning the games they're supposed to win. This is a game they're supposed to win. And you've seen slight movement in the market go toward them, and I would have to agree with that. And I'm not going to make the joke that I'm not going to bet it because I don't want to be bad luck, although I kind of believe that. But truthfully... I, I don't think I'm going to play this one officially. Maybe by the time I talk on Rush Hour, my thoughts will change. But I would play the Blackhawks, if anything. The Blackhawks still have a solid roster. Now, Jonathan Taves, I think, is questionable with that concussion. Keep an eye on his status. If he's a go, and even if he's not, again, I still think the Blackhawks have the advantageous spot here. If they still, I in like, of course, you got to believe your hopes are alive. But if they still think they have any chance... At sniffing the playoffs. Like you have to win games like this. At home. Weak team that is terrible in their past 10 games. Defensively terrible. Backup goalie in the mix. You're at home. Coming off a tough loss. Couple nights off though. Maybe getting Seth Jones back. That should be a big spark for this team. And this is a game at home against a weaker opponent. With a Blackhawks team that still has some talent. You need to win this game. If you don't forget the rest of the season. Start over now. These are the type of games you have to win. So the Blackhawks should win. But will they win? I would think yes. But I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that financially. But if you want to get involved, Blackhawks to me would be the right play. All right, moving on to the NFL. We've got some lines for the Super Bowl. We have got some recaps. Recaps. We are recapping our thoughts. There we go. <laughs> from NFL Championship Weekend. Really quick, the opener, I will just say, and we'll expand more on it on my show Rush Hour and throughout the week, naturally, here on the Chicago City Cast. But the opener for the Rams and Bengals, three and a half out in Sin City, where they have the openers right away at the Westgate Superbook. They always put them out first. And total was at 51. Some other books had it open like 50 or 49 and a half. But Bet Rivers had this at four, and now the total's at 48 and a half. Money line minus 190 toward LA. Bengals plus 165. A couple things I saw on Twitter from some respected bettors were that they couldn't bet the Rams fast enough, even at the money line price of like minus 175. Line moved up to four pretty much consensus wise. So the sharp action early on attacked the Rams. The total went toward the under. The way I would approach just early, early thoughts. I want to root for Joe Burrow. I think pretty much most people do. But what you have to consider with these two teams, and I've been such a tough critic of Matt Stafford and him being faulty under pressure. Look, that game could have been a lot different if it's wide open interception was not dropped. Like, that's inexcusable. Sean McVay's clock management uh, clock management, and timeouts or and challenges, rather, were inexcusable. Nine times out of ten, you probably lose a game where those things transpire. But you had Jimmy Garoppolo not come through. You had bad play calling, frankly, from the 49ers and coward actions of cowardly actions of not going for it on fourth and two. So a lot of things were bad. So I look into this in the sense of, again, the trenches. 
The Bengals' offensive line did well enough against Kansas City, but this ain't Kansas City's defense, folks. This is a Rams defense with Von Miller and Aaron Donald up top, or up front. Yeah, they're going to have a day against Burrow. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Oh, Jamar Chase. Jalen Ramsey, I will counter you with that. Yes, you still have T. Higgins. Great playmaker. I understand it's just like whatever the Bengals have, the Rams have an answer. Defensively, flip the script. Bengals, underrated defense. We have addressed that. Fantastic performance in the second half. Adjustments. Made Mahomes look like he had never played the damn position before. Looked like guys in Madden who were just scrambling for their life. I've literally done those same plays in Madden, what Mahomes was doing on that red zone trip. Like, that was terrible. That should be talked about how bad Mahomes looked. He looked human. Actually, you know what? He looked like me if I were playing quarterback in that position. He did not look like an NFL quarterback. He didn't. It's okay to admit that. He stunk. And the Bengals made great adjustments, had great coverage. All of those things can be true. Pathetic to blow that lead at home in an experienced place against a team that had a win total of what? Five and a half as low as that. I bet the under six and a half. And now we're seeing the damn Bengals in the Super Bowl. That's the beauty of sports and that's the beauty of betting. Except obviously not the beauty of losing it. But just how crazy things can be. And how quick a 180 can occur in sports. Bears, we are looking at you. Of course the expectations are not that high. But they weren't that high for Cincinnati. Again though, with this number at four... Because I kind of want to bet the Rams. I kind of, or more so, I think the Rams are going to win. And at four, though, I don't think it's worth the price because it's just so hard to look the other way against Burrow as a dog where he has succeeded so much. And he is a winner and he is so damn swaggy and awesome. But again, the Rams have been building up to this from what, like 2016, 2017? The Bengals just flipped the script this season. It doesn't mean they can't go all the way. But the Rams have been building for this for a while. They went all in. They have the better offensive and defensive line. They have the better defense overall. Quarterback, probably give the advantage to Joe Burrow for sure. Running back, yeah, Joe Mixon. Receiving crew, it's close, but you give the slight edge to the Rams. Jamar Chase is right up there, but OBJ, I'll take him over T. Higgins. I don't know, man. He get protection from Matt Stafford, and he's not making those dumb throws that he did that got dropped. The interception in the end zone, not his fault, right? It was tipped. But the one that was dropped was absolutely his fault, and that's what scares me from wanting to bet the Rams. I'm going to wait. I'm going to see this thing get back down to three and a half, presumably. Not sure if it'll touch three, but the immediate action you're seeing are from the Sharps, right? You're going to get those early numbers. It'll probably be steady if anything move a half point back and forth throughout the course of the week. We got two weeks, folks. The public only affects lines when it's the Super Bowl. Only game in a sporting event that is affected, well, aside from probably like World Cup action or something or whatever overseas, that's a huge sport, but... United States-wise, the only sporting event where the public actually alters a line is the Super Bowl because of the volume of betting. That won't be impacted until Super Bowl weekend. People don't need to get their money tied up for two weeks. Casual bettors. 
They're going to Vegas to watch the game. They're going to places to make these bets. They're getting their friends who never bet making bets before the game. That's when you will see the actual alteration and impact of this line to where you might get it in your favor or might get it against you. But I'm going to wait. There's no need to rush. Got to wait to see what the injuries are like. Let's wait and see just, I don't know, what some of these players are saying and Let's look deeper into the research. And we'll do all of that on Rush Hour. We'll get plenty of guests to help preview it. But I'm leaning toward the Rams right now. No thoughts on the total per se. But Stafford, man, he's been working for this his whole life. And he's made it work well enough in his first campaign with the Rams. Despite the ugliness that we have seen. Despite catching some lucky breaks for sure. To me, the Rams are the deeper team. With the better coach. Again, Zach Taylor has improved and impressed immensely. I still think the jury's kind of out on him. But you can't dispute what he's done to this point. McVay, hard to give him confidence after how he mismanaged that game. But it happens. Some guys crumble under pressure. Some guys don't know how to act. But McVay's been there. That's a thing. He knows better. And I think he'll improve on that for this game. He's getting a little bit nervous because Shanahan's been his daddy, right? Won the last six games. So he's kind of got those nerves. I don't want to get outsmarted. I'm playing chess here. Well, you outsmarted yourself, but luckily for you, the 49ers couldn't help themselves. But I do think the Rams are the better team. Going deeper into the recap of this past weekend, how the hell do you blow that lead, Kansas City? How do you do that? But good for Joe Burrow. Dude's an absolute beast. Swaggy as hell, so calm and collected. And Joe Burrow really didn't do anything that dominant. Like Patrick Mahomes actually statistically had a better game, although he didn't actually, if you watched per se. But Burrow had huge scrambles, creating opportunities, improvising, eluding sacks. Like this dude was amazing in that regard. Fantastic. But the thing is, like, the throws he makes are really good, but I don't look at it and go, like, my God, what a throw. I just go, that's Joe Burrow just being a playmaker more so. And that's what he did, and that's how they won. Aside from their defense making great adjustments, having fantastic coverage downfield, and making Patrick Mahomes look like he picked up a football for the first time. I would actually be... Like, that's devastating for Kansas City. You got past Buffalo because of a coin flip, among other, other reasons. And then you're at home as a seven-point favorite against the Bengals, who arguably had a very easy path to get here. Not very easy, but you get what I'm saying. That is brutal. After your embarrassing loss in the offseason or in the Super Bowl, you build your offensive line in the offseason. You get a crap start at or just a crap stretch during the season, but you have the narrative now. People doubted us. We made it to the playoffs. We got past the Bills. And you lose to the Bengals after blowing, what, a 21-3 lead? You were playing on rookie mode in Madden in the first half. Then you were playing with your weak hand on all Madden against someone who had their sim simulators, their sliders, whatever it is, all the way up. Wow. But props to the Bengals. Good for you guys. Uh, Chiefs, I don't know what to say. It's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. You guys think you should be there every year, and you should. But you couldn't put it together. That's embarrassing. That's 
I don't want to say concerning, but the way Mahomes played was concerning. Oh, but his blood pressure, uh, you know, his heart rate uh, was higher on the bench than it was on the field. Yeah, let's see what it was after this game now, buddy. Let's see what it was now. Because it looked like it was through the roof considering you didn't know what the hell you were doing. Just running around and hurting your team and hurting your chances to win, which came to fruition, you not winning. I honestly think, and it's a stupid argument for me to say this at this point, but the Bills, to me, like, I look at this Super Bowl and I still look at it and go, like, these are not the best teams, right? For some reason, I just don't feel that way. And even if the 49ers won, I would have thought the same thing, kind of. Like, that's arguably one of the best coach teams. The Rams, one of the most talented teams. The Bengals, one of the most exciting teams, a team that has great adjustments. But I still think the Bills are better than the Chiefs. I still think the Bills are better than the Bengals. Danny, they lost to the Chiefs. I get it. The defense not making that stop with 13 seconds is ridiculous. Them not getting a chance in overtime is ridiculous. Them not making a stop in overtime, no excuses. 100%. Be held accountable. I get it. But again, I still think the Bills are the best team in the NFL. I wouldn't make that argument for the Packers necessarily because I had concerns about their defense all year. And their defense ended up not being the problem, though. It was Rodgers not having the explosiveness and trust in that playoff game at home. Better coach team, 49ers. Took more chances, 49ers, in that game. Even like the Buccaneers, if they were healthy, again, a big if, I still think they would be the better team than the Rams. But you can't do if, ands, or buts, right? You can't do that. Those are hypotheticals. Those are what ifs. We don't live by what ifs. We live by results. And the Rams came through. So, yes, technically, these are the two best teams. It's just funny. And I was talking to a friend about, like, I don't feel like that's the case. But situationally, they took advantage of their spots and got to where they are. Like, hey, maybe if the Bengals played the Bills in round two, round one, like, they wouldn't be here for sure. Could be a better matchup for Buffalo than it was against Kansas City. It could be a worse matchup for Cincinnati against Buffalo than it was for them against Kansas. You know what I mean? Like, and it's weird, but that's also like the good and the bad about it. The bad if you're Buffalo and knowing that you should, you probably would have beat Cincinnati. But the good, knowing you're Cincy and when everybody's counting you out, you can find a path to victory and do a 180 that quickly. So it's nuts. And then you look at that Rams 49ers game. 49ers blew the 10-point lead. You didn't go for it on fourth and short, came back to haunt you. Hart, right? That was his name. Or Tart, dropping that interception can't happen. That's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And that doesn't mean that after getting that interception, the Rams couldn't have still got the ball back and tied the game. But maybe at least at the worst case scenario, and that, if that happened, you would have went to overtime. You knew Jimmy G wasn't going to be able to drive the ball down the field. Their offense couldn't do squat, really, in the second half. Jimmy G had some good throws and some points. But they also got lucky with that tipped interception at the beginning of the game. If the Rams scored a touchdown there, game probably still would have went in favor of Los Angeles. Love seeing Robbie Gold hitting head-to-head -head with Ramsey. That, at that point, I was like, let's go 49ers. Come on, baby. That was sick. He's just kicking it right over them saying, screw you guys. I'm a legend in this league. Get the hell out of my way. Does it with the cheerleaders. Did it when they were walking past him. That was awesome. But, man, yeah, I, I kind of wanted, you know, as a fan to see the 49ers. I'm not a fan of them, but Jimmy G representing AH. Robbie Gold representing Chicago a little bit. Shanahan's a fun guy to watch coach. Kittle, Iowa guy, Big Ten country. I don't know. Rams are all flashy. You know, Stafford, I'd have nothing against him, but they just seem like, it's just nuts. Like, thinking about the ugliness that the Rams did this past season against, what, the Titans? 
with no Derrick Henry, the 49ers twice until you finally beat them. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right, but here we are. Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl. Who the hell would have thunk it? Come on. But it is what it is. We got plenty of betting angles for this game to dissect, not only here on the Chicago City Cast, but as you know, on Rush Hour. So be in tune with that. Follow your boy on Twitter at DannyBurke5. We'll give you all the links, necessary retweets for all Bears information and whatever, whatever intriguing bets could be sticking out. We'll get you covered. But until the next episode, take care. Best luck with all your wagers and get excited for Bears football, folks. I'm getting in the right uh, in the right direction of getting pumped for it. How could you not be after the press? I'm not saying it's making me run through a wall, but what other choice we got? It's having faith in the system and in the process, or you can be pessimistic and hate yourself being a Bears fan. I'm going to choose, and this is me being very harsh on the Bears, to believe in this process. They're working swiftly and efficiently, and they're saying the right things. So let's go Bears. More on that tomorrow when we have our next episode. But until then, once again, take care, folks. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.